The Sing Second Podcast is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We thought we did this before, Chris Cervello and I, but we kind of put a, a hold on it, went back to the old drawing board, but decided after a long summer and the reintroduction of football season to get right back up on that podcast horse, bring Sing Second back. And it is not the Sing Second Sports Podcast anymore, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sing Second Podcast. We are branching out from just sports to everything happening at the Naval Academy and the Naval Academy Alumni Association. We have been listening and we are going to deliver. A lot of alumni and friends of the Naval Academy just don't know what's going on sometimes. Um, There's a lot of social media channels. There are a lot of newsletters. There's a lot of information about who's who in the zoo and what's going on at the yard and at the Alumni Association supporting the yard. And this podcast is meant to deliver that information for Just some admin. I am John Schofield. I'm a 1996 graduate of Villanova University. I did ROTC, eventually came back to the Naval Academy as a lieutenant and an instructor, retired after being the PAO here from 2014 to just around 2017. And then from there, with my best friend, Chris Cervello, we started our own company, ProVision Advisors. We started a podcast about Naval Academy sports during COVID called Sing Second Sports. And now... We have seeded that sports uh, coverage to the Anchors Away podcast. And before I introduce Chris Cervello, um, I would encourage you, if you're looking for your sports coverage, follow the Anchors Away pod with Bill Wagner and Pete Medhurst through Naptown Scoop. They are going to bring you all of the interviews, all of the X's and O's, all of the analysis of football season through the Navy football podcast, uh, but also all of the other Olympic and other sports um, through Anchors Away. Please give them a listen. Um, without any further ado, Chris, please introduce yourself to the crowd. And what are you most excited about with this new pod adventure? Well, John, uh, I'm a 99 grad of the Naval Academy. Um, I'm from Southern Maryland, uh, did 20 years as a public affairs officer, uh, traveled all over the fleet. You mentioned uh, I'm uh, a member of the ProVision Advisors team. We do uh, PR for individuals and for companies that are doing business in the national security space. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, transitioning this podcast from a a sports-focused podcast to a more holistic Naval Academy and Naval Academy alumni pod, uh, I think is an exciting opportunity. I I think Bill and Pete um, will continue to do a great job covering down on sports. Um, in addition to the Olympic sports, they have the uh, Navy football podcast that includes uh, Keenan Reynolds and Eric Catani. Um, and so there, you know, that continues to chug along, but uh, you know, we, we started talking about this, that uh, it's great that uh shipmate, uh, you know, comes to your mailbox and uh, the Naval Academy alumni association does a fantastic job with their Monday email updates, but we wanted to take the, uh, I think the acumen that we've honed over three years and, uh, you know, create a weekly or biweekly podcast for 
alumni to tune in and get caught up, right? So maybe you don't have time to dig into that uh, shipmate. Maybe you don't have time to go through that email or, or uh, you know, focus on all the other communications. We'll give you 30 minutes and make you feel like you know what's going on. So uh, this is an exciting opportunity. Yeah. So like for you and me, and I know that the students that we are, well, you were a nerd and graduated in the top 100. I graduated last in my uh, ROTC class, but I think both of us were always more squibbled toward finding the gouge. And here is the gouge, ladies and gentlemen. What is going on at the Naval Academy Alumni Association and what's been going down? Well, as you well knew, uh, we had a great delegation that went over to Ireland, um, kind of took over the island, so to speak, um, showed the Irish and, uh, and the people of Ireland um, who is more Irish uh, through our school spirit and our presence, although Irish fans uh, outnumbered us about five to one. We still brought the noise. Um, I think I'm supposed to say brought the funk in addition to saying bring the noise, but I might be a little bit uh, out of date with my with my hip terminology. But we went out there, celebrated a great rugby win, um, played a couple of rounds of golf, uh, Chris. You, you then took it to the next level and played, I think, 19 rounds of golf over nine days. Um, but, you know, the mixture of golf, alumni engagement events, a really, really nice tailgate, and then a football game that ended not really the way that we wanted. But still, you know, for us, it really wasn't about the outcome as much as it was about the experiences. Um, and during that time in Ireland, we also said goodbye to Sean Buck, uh, who officially retired from the Navy. But before we get into, you know, who came in behind Sean Buck, Chris, what were some of your thoughts, you know, having gone to the game, being out there in Ireland about you know, what that presence was like. I think the last time you did it, you might've been a mid um, or had just graduated. Um, you know, for, for you, what was the experience in Ireland like as an alumni? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Um, you're, you're right. I, I went in uh, 1996 uh, as a midshipman uh, when we played Notre Dame at Croke Park. Uh, and then to be able to go back, you, you know, almost 30 years later, um, you, you know, Slightly different experience, but, uh, you, you know, Navy fans were out in force. It was great to see them not only in and around Dublin, um, you know, getting ready for the game. But as you mentioned, I stuck around for a week afterwards and I saw them all over the country. I saw them in Cary. I saw them in Killarney. I saw them down at Old Head um, in Kinsale. I mean, it, it just was uh, it, it was a really cool camaraderie building exercise, um, even aside from a game that didn't go uh, necessarily the way uh, we we wanted it to. So uh, I, I love experiences like this. There is something special about doing it around Notre Dame and doing it in Ireland. But uh, anytime you go to a, a Navy football game, you, you know, even as simple as going to the Memphis game tonight, um, running into a fellow alumni is a great experience. Yeah, it was um, it was awesome. And you know, I, I have to clarify through the sing second. Um, Twitter account. I, I was asking some tough questions of the football team during that game. Why weren't we passing more? And then lo and behold, we get to the Wagner game this past Saturday and Ty Lavatai just lights it up for, I think, like 161 yards passing. So I view that as, you know, people listening to me, um, you know, and, and making sure that our recommendations are built into the playbook. So I mentioned um, Admiral Buck retiring and, and let us take this opportunity to officially thank him beyond what we did on social media and beyond, you know, being there for his retirement ceremony. But what, what Vice Admiral Buck did, a 1983 grad, former tennis player, great supporter of the academy, 
what he did over four years through COVID, managing an institution that's going through so much change, particularly amidst really difficult budgetary times. I, I just have to tip my cap to him. And and funny for us, uh, Chris Ravello, that you know you and I, when we were lieutenants working on the news desk, when our friendship was first forged, um, there would often be days that we would run across Vice Admiral, or then back then, Commander Sean Buck, and now the new interim superintendent, um, Rear Admiral Fred Cater, we would run across them, you know, sometimes in, in the same walk uh, down the E-ring um, as Fred Cater was the EA to N3, N5 back in the day, and Admiral Buck was the EA to Admiral Sestak, I think at N6. As many of you know, uh, Rear Admiral Yvette Davids is slated to become the next superintendent and would be the first female superintendent but, you know, Chris, you do a lot of discussion on this on your other podcast, the Cavish Ships podcast, about how the operational impacts of this are. But as an alumnus, you know, with all due respect to Admiral Catru, who I think is probably one of the greatest people around, what, what does this leadership tumult do, you know, to, you know, not only the readiness of the Naval Academy, but the readiness of the Navy? I guess I have a slightly different view. I mean, it, it certainly has created um, tremendous headaches for hundreds of people that are going through it directly and it has caused you know headaches for probably 10 times that many people that are dealing with it at the Pentagon and in the fleet but what i love about the navy and the naval academy family is is we just figure out how to make it work and so you know when you don't get to confirm somebody like Yvette Davids because of this hold you have somebody like Fred Kacher who can step into this position and the Naval Academy moves on without missing a beat. So, um, you, you know, both are high quality folks, both are uh, great Naval officers and uh, both will do a fantastic job in their respective acting roles. As you mentioned, Yvette David's out in Coronado um, shepherding the surface force through this. Uh, and then with Fred Kacher as the acting superintendent and neither are acting folks in their character, right? Both are going to jump into these jobs and do the things that their uh, folks need them to do uh, to continue to succeed. So I I'm excited. I saw um, the remarks that uh, Admiral Cater made at the the ribbon cutting, and, and I've seen some things that he said to the midshipmen. Um, so I think, uh, you, you know, th this is certainly a... Uh, uh, um, a great opportunity for him and a great opportunity for the midshipmen to have him there getting them through this process. And you mentioned, Chris, the ribbon cutting. You know, one of the first things that uh, Rear Admiral Kacher uh, participated in was just this past Friday, we dedicated the Flugel Alumni Center. Uh, so for those of you who have been driving into Annapolis, perhaps you're on your way downtown to get an aviator at McGarvey's or whatever you're cocktail of choices. You've been seeing the construction taking place right across from the baseball field. That is our new 65,000 square foot game-changing alumni center named um, for the Flugels class of 61, Donna and her husband, Frederick. Uh, Frederick K. Flugel graduated in the class of 61. Um, they made kind of the anchor gift that started an incredible, incredible fundraising effort that you know, funded the entirety of the $36 million project. They ended up raising more money uh, than they had planned to raise. Um, I think the number ended up closer to $50 million that they raised. 
Um, 36 million was the overall cost of the project. And wow, it just, it, it delivers an incredible, an incredible capability here from the sight lines out um, to College Creek behind us, um, to the meeting rooms, to the technology. And really, if those of you who have been following the Alumni Association were paying attention, we were scattered to the wind, five different buildings out you know, on Hospital Point for the foundation, down in Ogle Hall and three different buildings with no parking for the Alumni Association. And as the Alumni Association and foundation continue to go forward and educate people about who they are and how they are together in this effort to support the Naval Academy, having this building is really, really a big part of that. Um, so Friday was a great dedication ceremony. Admiral Natter, um, you know, was was huge to that effort as well. Kind of honchoed us through here, um, along with many, many plank owners. Um, you know, the in the end, thirty-seven U.S. Naval Academy classes and more than twelve hundred individuals um, gave plank owning gifts or gifts in the amount of twelve hundred or. $1,250 or more, Chris Cervello being one of those plank owners, in order to make that effort. And now their names are adorned um, on our plank owner wall right there on the first floor of the Flugel Alumni Center. Ladies and gentlemen, if you come to Annapolis, I really encourage you to come by here. Uh, if you want to book an event or get any more information about the Flugel Alumni Center, please visit FlugelAlumniCenter.com. Flugel is spelled F L. U-E-G-E-L, FlugelAlumniCenter.com. Chris, really quick before we start uh, inching toward our break and our interviews, you've been in the building. What are your thoughts on the building and, and what, yeah, I think this kind of gets us up on par with Air Force and Army and actually puts us beyond in our abilities to connect and engage with our alumni. Yeah, John, I mean, it's, um, as you said, I mean, Ogle Hall for years, I mean, it had the historic value, but um, it really didn't, uh, at least for me, I, I didn't feel connected when I went in there. When you go into the new Flugel Center, um, you, you just see the potential, whether it's for having events for your class, whether it's for having um, alumni-wide events, whether it's for homecoming, you, you name it, um, whether it's for you know wedding receptions or for any other sort of momentous occasion that you might want to uh, you know uh, rent. Um, it, it just... It, it makes you proud to be an alumni um, on par with other major universities around the country. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to going to um, a football game, being able to go to an event prior to a game over there um, or come back for, you know, a graduation and do something there. I mean, there's just all sorts of possibilities in addition to engaging with the alumni association itself directly, which you as an employee there now, I'm sure, find it much more comfortable, much more um, opportune in terms of doing the work that you need to do. It, so it, it's good for not only the folks that work for the Alumni Association, but probably most importantly for the alumni that come back to Annapolis for them to feel comfortable and, and feel engaged uh, by this new building. Well worth the money that was raised and kudos to everyone that gave money and that helped make this a reality. In including you really, but, but yeah, you've got to think as a basic and sociologists here that it was tough for people to come visit the alumni center. It was tough for people to feel like they were home when they couldn't even park. And now you can park. Now you you can you you have a building that that can match 
um, you know, the, the effort and the volunteerism and, and the philanthropy that went into this, right? Like 1,200 people, um, you know, giving more than, than $1,250 each, including all these classes, you know, yeah, this building better deliver based on that level of philanthropy. And, and I stand in awe of people like you and others who have done that. So please, we're going to put out more information as we go forward. The great thing about the Flugel Alumni Center, ladies and gentlemen, you might remember the Ogle Tap Room um, that had a small bar down there. The blue and gold bar is a bit of a next level addition uh, located on the ground level. Um, it's going to be the scene of many a great um, you know, gathering, including just going down and getting a pint and talking to one of us about what you need from your alumni association and foundation. We can't wait to give it to you. Hey, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Lori Coogan, who runs parent programs here at the alumni association and foundation. She's going to drop some knowledge on us about what those programs do. And then we also have a great interview with a couple of grads who are trying to get some medical information out there that is really critical. Before we hit that break, though, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to one of both Chris's and mine, one of our former bosses, Vice Admiral Ted Carter, because he just has never been successful in life from his 2016 arrested landings um, to being the superintendent of the Naval Academy back when I was the PAO. Just this past weekend, while we were dedicating this building, Vice Admiral Carter couldn't be here because he's a slacker. No because he was up in Burrowville, Rhode Island, having his high school gym named after him, um, which is just an incredibly great honor for him and everything that he's done from being a Naval aviator, being the president of the Naval War College, coming back to his alma mater and serving as a superintendent during very impactful times, and then going out to the University of Nebraska and becoming the president of the system out there Vice Admiral Ted Carter, ladies and gentlemen, is one of those graduates of character and consequence. And I really applaud his high school in Burrowville, Rhode Island for naming the gymnasium after him. Uh, Linda was there to join him and we just could not be more proud. And yeah, as we go to break, we continue to go onward and upward with Admiral Carter and that he's left the University of Nebraska and accepted a position as the new president of the Ohio State University. Whether he says it like that, you know, pretentious way when he gets introduced on Monday Night Football in the future, who knows? Um, but congrats to him. Another example of alumni out there doing amazing things. We're going to go to break. When we come back, let's talk to a member of the staff that helps those alumni do amazing things through a very important medium, and that is our parents club. That's going to be Lori Coogan. Stick with us. This is the Sing Second Pod. Okay, hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Sing Second Podcast, bringing you the very latest and greatest with the Alumni Association and Foundation and everything going on at the U.S. Naval Academy. As we record this on Wednesday, September 13th, game number three um, is taking place tomorrow, or as you listen to this, tonight in scenic Memphis. I know of all the stadiums Chris Cervello likes, he likes the Liberty Bowl um, but, you know, all joking aside, Navy football one and one coming off of a big win over Wagner and really exciting day at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. You know, who doesn't love two weather delays? But now we take it on the road for our first true road game. And joining us today is Lori Coogan of the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. 
Uh, she is not only an employee uh, directly tied to our in- engagement and communications efforts, but she's also a Naval Academy spouse, uh, married to Bobby Coogan of the great class of 1996 minus one, uh, 95. Uh, so all blabbering aside, Lori, number one, welcome to the pod. Number two, if you can just explain a little bit more about your title and what you do at the Alumni Association, how long have you been here? And uh, yeah, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, as as John uh, pointed out, I'm Lori Coogan, um, I am, my title here is the Director of Parent Programs at the Alumni Association. I work in the Engagement Department. Um, I would say my primary role generally is I act as the liaison between the Naval Academy and, and all the parent clubs um, and the parents in general. Um, as we know, the Naval Academy is not college as they call it, and um, they don't have the traditional programs like a lot of other universities have, such as family and parent programs and student life. And so the Naval Academy engagement um, side, Naval Academy Alumni Association engagement side kind of takes on that role for the Naval Academy and for the families of, of the midshipmen. So that's kind of my primary role. I have, I run a couple other things. I have the, I do the photo program, which is a big hit for plebe summer. Um, we load out about 75,000 photos a year. Um, I support all of the alumni um, parents club. I mean, I'm sorry, the alumni chapters and the parent clubs when it comes to away football events that's in their area. Um, we try to do engagement for the Naval Academy outside of Annapolis. And um, in general, I just help all the incoming families that are coming to the Naval Academy, parent that have children coming to the Naval Academy. Um, I try to connect them with the parent club in their area so they can stay more connected as, as it's hard for me to have the bandwidth to deal with each individual parent, the parent clubs kind of support, provide that support to the incoming midshipman families. So you mentioned away games, Lori, and uh, Memphis, you know, tonight, um, as, as people are listening to this, the game will be going on. You know, what does the footprint look like down in Memphis? Um, you know, and what's it been like kind of coordinating this, the first road game of the year, probably got to, you know, brush the rust off of a little bit of our processes, but you know, what, if you're in Memphis listening to this, what, what's it going to look like outside of the Liberty Bowl tonight? Um, you know, it's turning out to be a, a great event. It's it's always a challenge to be on the road for a weeknight game um, to see how we're going to get engagement and how people within the Naval Academy community. But this is turning out to be um, a great event. We have a, a alumni from the class of 84. That's Chuck Bagwell, who's sponsoring it. We also have Chris Northern, who's um, class of 17, is also um, sponsoring it and, and kind of taking the reins of leading the planning for it. And then we have the Memphis Parent Club that is providing all the support. So right now, I think we're expected to have about 130, 140 um, guests for that night, which is a big big turnout for a weeknight game. Um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to being there. It's, it looks like it's going to be pretty energetic and fun time. Yeah. So the idea is going out and meeting people where they are, right? Um, exactly. We'll talk a little bit more on this podcast about the brand new alumni center, the Flugel alumni center, that's going to make it so much easier, um, you know, for programs like yours to connect, communicate and support our alumni. Uh, but going out and meeting them on the road is kind of central to your, uh, to your thoughts. Now, in addition to Memphis, you've got some big road games, you know, October 14th in Charlotte and also November 4th up at Temple University talking to you, Colin Schofield, you know, not just Memphis uh, tonight, but throughout the year, there are a lot of cool things 
um, on the horizon. What would you say to parents out there who aren't yet affiliated with the parents group might be in Philly, might be in Charlotte, might be down in Dallas? How do they get involved? You know, it's, it's, it's really just, it's so simple. It's really just connecting with the parent club. Um, uh, we have, you know, we have access, we have a, the ability to give them access to who those parent clubs are in their area and who their contacts are, who their point of contact is. And it's really just a matter of getting in touch with someone and saying like, hey, I hear this is going on. Not only do I want to attend, but I want to help out. I want to do whatever I can. And I want to meet other parents from this area that have midshipmen. Chris Cervello, I know that, you know, that Tom and Liz Cervello were probably the most active of parents in uh, the Southern Maryland Leonardtown Parents Club. But in your experience as a graduate, you know, through your roommates, you know, one of your best friends and roommates was from uh, Wyoming. Um, so, you know, kind of tough to get home to Wyoming, um, you know, for leave or for the summers, you start relying on, you know, clubs like the local Maryland Parents Club or the other um, resources that are available you know, in your experience, how important have parents clubs been from your perspective as an alumnus? Oh, very important. Uh, certainly when you were a midshipman, especially as a plebe and a, a youngster. Um, and then, uh, you, you know, late, later on, uh, they helped fill in the gaps for when you when you became, a, you know, a second class and a firsty and maybe you weren't as forthcoming with information, you know, your parents could, uh, could reach out to these clubs and kind of fill in the gaps that you were too cool, uh, to, to give them. So, uh, you know, I certainly am thankful for, for Lori and for the, you know, all the parents clubs of what they did during the time that, that I was there. Um, I, I would just ask Lori, how about on the alumni front, do you still have parents that, um, stay involved from an alumni standpoint, you know, a- after the fact, um, I mean, certainly the role of the parents club when the midshipmen are at the Naval Academy is um, evident, but h- how about after the fact, do you, what, what sort of involvement do you have with alumni parents, if at all? Oh yeah. Good question. The um, I would say um, if there are alumni parents in an area that has an active parent club, nine times out of 10, they're, uh, they serve on the board. Um, they're very actively involved. And they're such a great resource for, for the parent club in general, because not only have, do they have someone going through this experience, they've been through this experience themselves. So they, they really provide a huge um, level of support, especially when it comes to like welcome aboards and new parents coming in and going like, what are we getting into? What do, you know, what do I expect? need to expect. And they give um, a good perspective, not only for the parents, but the incoming midshipmen. Yeah, for me, and, and Lori, you know, just got done with a pretty busy season here as reform has taken place and the reunion season has begun. We've already had um, a legacy parent reception for the plebes as part of plebe parents weekend. And then we just had, you know, second class weekend with the second class legacy reception. It was nice for for me to see one of uh, Chris Cervello's and my former bosses, Denny Moynihan, in here, he's kind of one of those unicorns in that he also, in addition to having a plebe, um, he also has a second class. So Admiral Moynihan, um, you know, is an alumnus and former golf team captain, you know, got to experience both of those legacy receptions. Funny, funny um, uh, little vignette from the plebe legacy reception. One of my former students was in there and kind of brought the house down as they announced that they were members of the class of 2004 and already had a plebe enrolled at the Naval Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, you can do the math on that, but that's what's <laughs> called working fast. Um, so, yeah, Lori, from your perspective, 
you know, getting through Plebe Legacy Weekend, getting through Second Class Legacy Weekend, and now really kicking off the away games starting tonight. You know, what's the best part of your job? Um, I know that we're all trying to support the Naval Academy and we're all trying to connect with alumni, but you've got a very unique job and the parents can be super duper supportive, but they can also all respect, you know, to all the great parents out there, they can be high maintenance. So so for you, what, what keeps you getting up every morning? Um, you know, truly, it, I look at the Memphis game, you know, that um, we're about to go to this tailgate and, you know, I, we work together and we're on the computer and we're sending emails and we're doing, you know, all this kind of connection via computer. And now here's my opportunity to actually spend time with these parents. And um, to me, I just love it. I would say, you know, especially at doing events, you have engaged parents, parents that want to be part of the Naval Academy. They want to do whatever they can to help. They want to feel connected. So it's just a very um, warm reception for me whenever I go to these events and see these people. And, um, you know, I, I, I have two kids in college and I can say that, like, I, I kind of know what parents want to hear and wh what's important to them. So I, I feel like I have that connection with them. And it, it, it's just great. I love it. Well, Lori, we thank you for what you do, um, you know, not only as a Naval Academy spouse, um, you know, but, but what you're doing in order to connect parents better to what we're doing as an alumni association and really bring the alumni association to the parents um, in the accomplishment of our mission. So please, if you're out there, um, if you want to get involved in your local chapter, please contact us at the Alumni Association um, and get involved. And if, uh, and if you want to participate or support a parent club, Lori Coogan is your point of contact. Lori, thank you so much for joining the Sing Second podcast. We can't wait to, to have you on later on in the year. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Lori Coogan, Director of Parent Programs here at the Alumni Association and Foundation supporting the U.S. Naval Academy. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we have an amazing interview um, talk about alumni going out there and trying to make a difference. Uh, Brigadier General Paypack and John Wilkins, uh, Dr. Wilkins, former Naval Academy football team doctor, you know, really trying to get the word out about the dangers of CTE, um, an injury, you know, or a condition that affects so many people playing sports, um, you know, really trying to help their fellow alumni get awareness of, of this terrible affliction. So when we come back from break, we have a great, great interview with them. And then Chris Cervello and I will take this out. This is the Sing Second Podcast. Stick with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and it is time for our alumni segment. And this is a really special one this year, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a lot of you heard me talk about my dad and, and his experience in athletics and, and the suffering that he encountered uh, from numerous head injuries, from what he went through as a lacrosse goalie back in the day when the equipment was not very good. His very good friend and teammate, Alan Pastrana, uh, talked a lot about this here locally uh, in Annapolis, the importance of good helmets, the, the danger of concussions and CTE. We are so happy to be joined by Dave Paypack and John Wilkins, both members of the class of 76. Uh, John Wilkins, no big deal, just a doctor. Dave Paypack, no big deal, just a retired brigadier general. But before I really pump you up for your, for your resumes, gentlemen, I, we wanted to bring you on because you're both using your experience and, and your um, friendships in the past 
to bring awareness to CTE. Um, can you just introduce us, Dave, to you know your friend, your classmate, um, and 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 what why this CTE issue means so much to you? Yeah, thanks, John. Glad to be here and and, and able to do this. Um, as you said, I'm in class of '76, I played on the teams of '72 through '75, and one of my very dear friends was a was a player named Andy Bushak. Andy was a linebacker um, from Parma, Parma, Ohio. We did everything together for many, many years, and he died in 2018. And everybody was shocked at his death. But the more I was was contacted by his wife Mary Ann. And we started to dig a little bit on the last 10 years of his life. Um, and then, you know, when he, when she had his brain donated to the Boston University Brain Bank, he was diagnosed by the neurologist of having stage three CTE. And so the more I started to kind of dig in with this, I, I brought good friend John Wilkins, Navy doctor around Navy sports for a lot of his career. But the big thing was with Marianne Bouchak and just trying to help her and, and bring the Navy side, the football side, the early years of, Na of Dandy's life to, to, you know, into perspective about why he led a life that he did. In the last 10 years of his life was absolutely horrific um, for Marianne and his two children, son and daughter. So, I mean, I could go on and on about it, but the idea now is to be able through John's help and through your help and everybody that will listen to be able to kind of educate and inform people on this horrible disease. Um, we've all been around contact sports uh, and this just isn't football, I'm not here to throw football under the bus. This is about every one of us um, that go to these schools that participate in sports from a young age to be able to just be aware of, of the risk and, and to be able to be a little bit more informed so that maybe through scientific research and through resources that there may be a, some sort of more of a, of a diagnosis before a person dies. So could go on and on, but that's the big thing now is just getting the word out. And again, I stay focused a little bit on my era, our era of football, the late 1960s in high school and early 1970s where everything that we did was, was with the head. We led with the head and, and tackling, everything. And so, you know, that's kind of our, of, of our goal. And I'll let John kind of take it from there. But Andy Bushak, I just don't want any of my friends, classmates, teammates, anybody in the football brotherhood, Navy athlete, Navy midshipment to, or, or, and their families to go through what the Bushak family did for the last 10 years of, of Andy's life. Well, and General, before I uh, go to Dr. Wilkins, you know, it, it's so emblematic of what the Naval Academy long blue line is, right? That we, that we take care of our own and we're trying to educate our own and the physical mission, we try to make so much stuff available to them. We have talked about nutrition centers opening on the yard and human performance labs and access to information is critical to inform those decisions. And you are a decorated and accomplished physician. You know, from your standpoint, this is not us or anyone trying to say that kids or even midshipmen or cadets or any athlete shouldn't play contact sports. It's merely just the access to information, right? Yes, I, I think uh, Dave uh, 
framed it up pretty well. I, I think we're really in the early stages of understanding this very complex disease. It's uh, something right now we can only diagnose at autopsy, meaning once you die, we can look at your brain and find evidence of CTE. Um, I think the movies made it very popular. This is an NFL disease. But as, you, as we, Dave and I have explored this with the um, Concussion Legacy Foundation, we have found that we are, we, uh, military um, physician, or military uh, players, officers, uh, both at West Point and the Naval Academy are overrepresented with this disease. And the, the concern I have is, as Dave showed, is that we don't even know we have it. And the family like uh, the Bushaks go through this horrible demise and this painful slide to a horrible ending if we can make people aware of this, um, we can make soften that landing and we can boost research by people, you know, connecting with the CLF and donating their brains and uh, working with research to try to diagnose this thing early. But at the same time, I think as a organization of uh, retired military officers, we got to you know, stand in line with our classmates and our teammates and our shipmates uh, to help them. Uh, their families go through this and, and I don't know where this is going to end up, but right now, Dave and I are just trying to get the word out. Wags. Well, I'll jump in because uh, a good friend of both John and myself is Alan Pastrana and Alan played football lacrosse his whole life. Uh, wound up playing at a high level at the university of Maryland when they still had the single uh face mask, the single bar face mask. I remember seeing pictures of Alan and then he played with the Broncos. And I remember when Alan died and I talked to his brother, Robert, he said that Alan suffered six concussions during his NFL career. In fact, he remembered one particular incident in which he just was absolutely clobbered by one of the great defensive ends of the game. And, uh, his brother joked, but it wasn't funny that his mother would say that Every time Alan suffered a concussion, he came out with a different personality. But Alan Pastrana was incredibly passionate about this exact issue that we're talking about. And he teamed up with Dr. Bob Grawl of Right Time Pediatrics, and they created a head-first program in which they went around and, and did presentations to high schools, youth sports organizations and trying to raise awareness about this issue. And so I, I applaud anyone who's trying to, to bring this to the fore and make it well known. And do you think, Dr. Wilkins, uh, that there is some progress being made with these initiatives? And I believe that at the youth football level, they are teaching players to keep their head up, not lead with their head, as Dave said, they were taught to do so many years ago. Do you feel like there's progress being made in teaching? And I'm again, don't want to pick on football, lacrosse too, same thing. But do you feel like progress is being made in teaching the, the proper way to tackle? I think so. I think uh, we tackle a lot different than we did 20, 30 years ago. I think we use our shoulders. We tackle a lot like rugby. So there's there's a lot of incidental contact, and I'm not so sure it's that every the, the sub concussive. Uh, bangs on the head like the linemen who may not get a concussive hit but they hit maybe 30 40 times during a game across a 10 or 12 year career uh that's an accumulation of injury i, I think it's not the, the 
we always focus on the big hits, but I think uh, a thousand little hits uh, are just as concerned. I think the youth leagues are looking at this. I think there's a lot more energy in flag football than peewee football. I think we are teaching to uh, tackle differently. I think we're aware of uh, uh, when people have su sustained a traumatic brain injury, I think we're very conservative. Um, and I, I think, you know, the military has been aware of this for a long time. And it's not just uh, athletics. It's, it's just military training, plead boxing, um, martial arts, uh, the things we do on the obstacle course, things we bang our heads into on ships and in, the, in, in our training. So this doesn't stop when you graduate. It actually continues um, throughout your military career. Well, I think there's been a, a great awareness and understanding from coaches. I mean, it, Dave will remember back in the day, they coach would say, shake it off, you know, shake the cobwebs out. I mean, you, were, you weren't tough if you let a concussion slow you down. But now, the, you know, I remember Coach Niamatololo said, I, when it comes to concussions, I don't get involved one bit. And when they tell me that a player, and we've had many Navy football players in the last decade who had to hang it up early because of multiple concussions and you all make that call the medical staff and I applaud the coaching staff that they don't question it one bit it doesn't matter how important the player is to the program how good he can be uh they just say all right that's it medical staff made the call that's it can you comment on that John I think we've been blessed with uh, excellent coaches at Navy I think they've uh Certainly want to understand. Uh, we can share what we know, uh, but I've never been pressured to uh, put a player back in. Um, I make a question, but I never get pressured. So I, I think it's their right to find out what's going on with their, their players that are, can't play. But at the same time, I've, I've never, ever in my 24 years on the sideline, ever been pressured to put a player back in. So I, I think it's a, it's a credit to our coaching staff and our education. I think the players also, I recognize that, you know, if you have two or three concussions, your aviation career might be up and there's other things that may happen to your uh, availability to the line afterwards. So it's not just playing uh, the next down, it's actually your career too. Dave, from your perspective, you know, not only are you trying to build awareness, but you're also getting over losing a friend and losing a friend in a really painful way. And I talked a little bit at the beginning about, you know, what makes, you know, the bonds of the alumni so strong that, that you can rely on people like Frank Shank uh, when he's not, you know, losing golf tournaments to Dave Lillifloren or, or any other member of the Brotherhood or the Alumni Association and Foundation to help you build awareness for this. With, with this kind of effort to educate and help people, which is just truly what it is at its base, right? Helping people. Does that exist at any other institution than a service academy in this particular case? Well, you know, I, I can only speak for, you know, my years of experience, but I, I, I kind of joke a little bit. I, I, I'll, I'll be 70 years old in July and in kind of retrospect, um, I, I look back and I think of most everything that has been or continues to be positive in my life has been connected in some way to my year at NAPS and my four years at the Academy and the whole football part of it. Uh, I'm so thankful to the Lord for that opportunity that I was given now almost 52 years ago. But the bonds that you refer to, the bonds that we form and that are nurtured over the years are just so special and, and mean the world to me. My classmates, my, my teammates, this brotherhood that Frank, who's a dear friend, put together 
you know, a few years back, my Marine Corps classmates, um, you, you know, we had nine starters on my team in 1975 that went into the Marine Corps. And the Chet Molers of the world, he's, he's, a, he's a, one of my closest friends, Mike Yeager, these, these people that are just so special to me. But I think that this is what we're trying to do is when I, when I first met Marianne Bushak and saw the pain in her face and just, just said, Dave, I, I never want anybody to go through what, what my family went through. So I don't know about what's happening in, in my world of Pitt and Penn State or Maryland or any of these other big schools. I just know what I want to do for my little and, and John, bringing him, you know, and coming together to let people know, let their families know, let when they put their their end of life details together to, that they can have their their brains donated to this Boston University data bank. They can do so many things, but just, you know, knowledge is power. We're taught that plebe here, you know, in our courses. It's, it's just, you know, we have to have a little bit of understanding and, 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 and just be aware um, of, of this terrible disease. My Navy roommate's got Alzheimer's now and his wife is on me all the time. Dave, what, what are you finding out about, you know, the CTE thing? Is it connected to Alzheimer's? And so it's, it's very special to me. This bond that is formed when, you know, 52 years ago for me, is, it means the world to me. Dr. Wilkins, I'll give you a last word on this as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, we, we don't understand this disease. And it is, there's probably a lot of crossover. There's probably some things we don't, I know we don't understand. Is there a genetic component? Um, but until we start measuring it, we're not going to be able to cure it. So I think this is the first part. It's just getting an awareness out there get people to understand what to look for, what the resources are to help them, and then we'll take it from there. And gentlemen, if people want more information about the Concussion Legacy Foundation, where can they go? Well, they certainly have a website, and we're in the process of getting more information out formally to, to the alumni, whether it's shipmate, whether it's class presidents, whether it's the football brotherhood or the lacrosse brotherhood or the wrestling brotherhood. We're just on a mission to get the word out. It's not a heavy lift, I don't think, but we need to get the word out. So there, there's websites that the Concussion Legacy Foundation has for more technical, detailed information. And ladies and gentlemen, we will link those as we put the pod out. Um, but gentlemen, you know, here's the deal. Um, as, as long as I've known or been associated with the Naval Academy, the, the motto has been ship, shipmate, self. And, and shipmate comes before self. And, and I know that that's what you're doing here. You're looking out for your shipmate. You're looking out for your shipmate's wife who went through an incredibly hard time. And you're looking out for the shipmates who came in behind you um, to make sure that they have a better life, that they don't have to, to go through that. So on behalf of the Sing Seconds uh, podcast, I thank both of you for continuing to take care of your shipmates above yourselves. It is it is because of graduates like you that the Naval Academy is such a special place. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank You're welcome, you. John. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. John Wilkins and Brigadier General retired Dave Paypack. Um, please, please support their efforts and get information. If you have a loved one like my dad, like Alan Pastrana, like so many people um, who suffer from this, please get information and please don't ignore it. I thank them for what they're doing and what they continue to do. We're going to go to break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to take this baby out. This is the Sing Second Podcast. Stick with us.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the inaugural post Chris Nerven Sweetener Takeover podcast. Our first foray back into the fold here at Sing Second. No longer Sing Second Sports, but you know what? We were so much better than sports itself, Chris. You know, we have so much more to offer music, politics, crocheting, um, you know, skills that the alumni out there want to hear about. But in all seriousness, uh, let's kind of give everyone a look at what's coming down the pike a little bit here at the Alumni Association and Foundation, as well as at the Naval Academy. After Memphis um, tonight, our next football game will be September 30th at home against South Florida, um, the mighty bulls of South Florida. A lot of good um, events happening in and around that. The class of 88 will be back for their reunion, as well as the class of 2013 um, coming in for their 10-year reunion. We're also trying to put together something on that Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, a sort of open house here at the new Flugel Alumni Center that we talked about in the open, um, bringing everyone back, maybe doing a Sing Second Live pod here uh, that day to mark the South Florida game. So keep your eyes and ears open for updates on that on social media. Uh, the week after that will be North Texas on, November, on October 7th. That is also homecoming, you know, also um, the Alumni Association and Foundation is definitely planning an open house, um, almost an all day open house that day uh, in advance of the North Texas game. And then a really cool thing, look out for a registration link to be sent from the Alumni Association for alumni and their friends and family to register to attend that open house. But then march in behind the midshipmen as they come across uh, the Alumni Association building here. Uh, we're working it out with the Annapolis police where our group here at the FAC can march in behind the midshipmen um, and get to Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Um, let's see how well all of you can keep it in step, keep it in step um, as you're marching over after a couple of cocktails here at the Flugel Alumni Center. Um, Chris, I'll tell you what, amazing pod, um, love getting the word out about our parents programs and what the chapters are doing. We have a whole lot more where that came from. And then I really want to thank, uh, General Paypack and Mr. Willikins, Dr. Willikins, um, for doing what they're doing to try to get the word out about CTE. This isn't anything that's indicting football or sports writ large, ladies and gentlemen, like anything else happening medically out there, we want alumni to have the information and uh, General Paypack and Dr. Wilkins are delivering that. Um, for me, as we go out, I just wanna thank everyone who supported the Alumni Association and Foundation during a very, very difficult weekend this past weekend. We dedicated the building, welcomed SECNAV to the, to the uh, fray. You could tell from the Secretary of the Navy to the most junior midshipmen in attendance. They really loved this building. And then on Sunday is kind of a unique bookend to everything. Having a class of 98 here at the Flugel Alumni Center to mark the memorial service for all of their classmates that they've lost. We had 300 plus people running around this building, enjoying the outside deck, enjoying the opportunity to remember their fallen classmates. I'm really thankful for all of the staff work that went into uh, getting that done and going from there. Chris, I'll let you uh, kind of take us out. Other than the Orioles um, continuing their march to October, um, you know, what, what are you taking away? Well, I'm looking forward to a great game uh, on ESPN against Memphis. Um, you, you know, that it's uh, great every time we get to play 
on national TV to highlight Navy football and highlight the Naval Academy. So uh, I know that's a special day for not only the football team, but also for all alumni. So uh, that that's uh, what I'm excited about. And you've uh, highlighted uh, a lot of cool things that are going to happen uh, during the fall. I will tell you that I'm not looking forward to a march on uh, from the uh, alumni uh center to the the game uh i think that's a great idea but uh i made it through four years without ever marching on and uh i don't think i'm gonna do that uh, as an alumni but kudos to those that do <laughs> yeah for sure i'm interested to see how that's gonna happen i really don't know if we've done enough orm on that um lastly as i go out ladies and gentlemen if uh, i mentioned chris northern before if you're not in memphis and hanging around annapolis this weekend check chris northern out as part of the Annapolis Songwriters Festival, he is performing on Friday at 49 West, I think at high noon, um, Saturday at Stan and Joe's, and then I think either Saturday night or Sunday at Metropolitan. Uh, we'll put some information out on our social media and uh, you know, and make sure you know where to find Chris Nerlin, uh from the class of 17 as he continues to deliver the awesomeness of his music. And lastly, Many, many congrats to a couple of grads who just won the Friends of Navy Golf Golf Tournament that took place this Monday, this past Monday this week. Um, I was able to play. Uh, the driver was not working as well as I would have hoped, Chris Cervello, but everything else was was locked in in the, uh, in the scramble format. But, you know, Denny Moynihan, we mentioned him before, he finished in the money, but the first place team, shocker of the year, included former PGA Tour golfer Billy Hurley and the brand new uh, interim or acting coach of the women's golf team, friend of the Sing Second Pod, Kylie Sullivan. Uh, they and two partners uh, won the overall Fong golf tournament, a great golf tournament that raises not only support, but money for Navy golf. It directly led to the amazing renovation uh, that brought the golf course to where it is today. And stay tuned. There might be another 18 holes that we can talk about in the future. Well, Christopher, that does it. I'll tell you what, like getting back on a bike. Um, you know, one of I'm the main bored. things yeah, I know, right. <laughs> the, the main thing that coalesces our friendship is the ability for us to just talk about things we love. So I'm really happy that we brought it back. We will see you next week. Until that time, for Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. Let's go out and beat Memphis tonight. This is the Sing Second Pod. We are out. <laughs>